Hey guys, so today we're going to be talking about piracy, maybe a little bit about copyright infringement. But first, I wanted to t say definitively what the difference is. So, piracy is when you take, say, a Beauty and the Beast and don't pay anything for it and either get it on DVD from some shady guy or just find it on the internet for free and don't pay for it and then watch it. While copyright infringement would be you going, hey, I want to make my own Beauty and the Beast story. And then using specifically what Disney did and piggybacking off of theirs and using the same art style as them and trying to emulate it as much as possible. And uh, just see what our, our opinions, views, or the, the good and bad of piracy, what it means for individuals, for big companies, for small companies, and uh, why it's constantly confused for copyright infringement, even though we kind of know that they're different things, but we don't always think of them as different things. So uh, what, do you, what do you guys think about piracy? Like, what's piracy to you guys? Well, I think, um, and I know, I just think this is something I thought of immediately when you brought um, piracy up, was the general question. I think those are both related because of intellectual property, uh, that concept. Um, it's like piracy and um, copyright infringement are both examples of uh, violations of the concept of intellectual property to a large extent. I, um, I agree they're in the same the same group of things that are like morally kind of not necessarily gray, like they're illegal, but it comes down to the whole question of, you know, if entertainment's a commodity and you couldn't afford to get that commodity anyway, you know, is that really should that be counted as a lost sale? Should like how should you view that as like a business person? You know, I mean, if you're talking about Disney, like, last year, what, like, 16 of the 21 top-grossing movies were their movies, and I'm pretty sure Rogue One was still the most pirated movie, and it still made a lot of money. And there is something to be said about the idea of, like, there's some artists, and I mean, um, uh, Trent Reznor is a big one, like, releases free versions of his music, and he ends up getting more... Oh, yeah. You, more buys that way. So, you know, you release... Like, there's oh, stories of him, like, going into, like, bathrooms at first places where they have gigs and, like, leaving a flash drive of, like, you know, a, a, a Night of Nail song. And it's interesting because he'll record different versions. And this is all rumored, so I'm not sure if it's actually true. Um, I have a friend that's a really good, a really big, like, uh, Night of Nail fan. But, like, they leave versions of, like, a song. And then if you hear it played or hear it somewhere else, he'd be like, oh, this is a version that was from Detroit or this is a version that was from L.A. So I thought that was kind of that's interesting. That's a really neat concept. Uh, I've yeah. not heard about that, though, but that's awesome. I mean, they're, um, they're, they're Radiohead some... yeah. did a lot around that of releasing free music. They're what, probably the largest, most mainstream band that's yeah. released music um, the only other one I for can free really... like that. Yeah, the, the biggest name I know that... Well, not the biggest, but like one of the bigger names I know that just like decided I'm just going to release a free album would be um, Childish Gambino when he did the whole like... It's like, oh, I'm working on a project, and then, like, a week later, he just, like, oh, yeah, it's out. <laughs> oh, well, how much are you paying for it? Nothing's free. Go buy it. <laughs> and there's uh, a lot of artists, um, especially, like, mid-fame level artists, not, like, billboard artists, uh, that have... It seems very likely like they are the ones that leaked their album online. Sometimes, oh, yeah. uh, sometimes obviously, and they admit to it, and sometimes they're like, oh, I guess it was out. Yeah, I but, mean, even 21 Pilots, like, 
the album was supposed to uh, their their album Blurry Face was supposed to come out like I think it was like the second or third week of September or something, and they just leaked it like the last week of August, and it was like, what happened? I don't know. Just it got out there. Oops. At least that's what I remember being talked about. I could be wrong on that, but. Right. Yeah. So even um, some big names will leak their albums out first just for people to get, like, just a taste of. Right, right. And then kind of force the record label to just throw it out there anyway because it's either going to be people just pirating it for two weeks and then it also comes down to the argument of, like, even if you release your biggest album, let people pirate it for two weeks, do you think people aren't going to buy the CD? They're not going to buy the digital copy just to support you? Because even then, like... I think a big reason people started kind of pirating music is just comes down to the internet. Like, I think the biggest push towards piracy nowadays, piracy, bootlegging, whatever you want to call it, is because of the internet. I mean, oh, well, the I mean it comes down to the argument who owns. Like, so if you make a CD or you make an album, make a song, and then you sell it to me, um, who owns the right to then share that? So, like, I can't give it to a friend of mine or I can't sell it otherwise? Like, did, did I... Like, when does it become an issue of piracy? Like, well, I think there's a difference between, like, being at your house and showing your friend an album and bringing them a CD off of Napster and giving it to them to listen to whenever they want. But technically, it is illegal for you to burn a CD that you have purchased um, and give it to someone else. No, um, yeah. You know, that, that's so. what I'm saying. It's like there's a difference between like if, if someone's over at my house and I play them a song that right, I right, legally right. bought in comparison to burning it to a CD and giving it to them. But you're not allowed to like, let's say you worked at a coffee shop, you weren't technically allowed to just play CDs that you've bought um, over the speakers. Oh, yeah. Now, nowadays, you can use things like Spotify if you have a business account um, and yeah. stuff like that. But before we get too much into this, I wanted to take a little side to go back because um, it is really interesting to me that big bands have done this and embraced um, piracy, it seems, a little bit. We like we can say, like, artists seem not to care so much about piracy. Um, but I want to give a shout-out to, like all the new independent music out there like the DIY bands um, from all genres and all over the world um, all over the US there's big movements where people release their music for free um, almost completely uh, and they're like yeah you can buy an album if you want but of course download it for free uh, yeah. bomb the music industry a punk ska like kind of experimental band that I liked a whole lot all of their albums were all released for free. Um, all of the shows they played were $5 or under in all ages. Um, and their lead singer's solo album, still released for free when it came out on his website, hit uh, the Billboard Top 100 Rock Albums um, yeah. the year it came out, which is amazing because it was completely free on his website, but that many people... Well, I, I think that kind of comes down to just how screwed over individual bands and artists have been through record contracts, that they already know that they get more money from doing concerts and appearances and interviews than they ever do selling albums. Like, right. I, I think it was... Like, as crazy as it was, like, a big thing with Kendrick Lamar and the whole argument of, like, oh, is Kendrick Lamar one of the best rappers of all time? It was like, oh, well, this person makes so much money. It's like, yeah, but their concert tickets are also $500. And his at the time were, like, at most 100 Even his, this is his biggest arena tour, and the tickets are at most, 
I think I saw 400. Yeah. And it's still lower than what Drake was, but he was making more money because people were going to his shows. They were paying to buy his music and stuff. But I mean, if, if we're going to get off of music for a minute and talk about video games, like the biggest video game in the world, Minecraft, the creator once tweeted out, like, just pirate it. If you don't, just, you don't have the money, just pirate it. Like, you're going to buy it eventually anyway. Yeah. And, like, that was a big thing when uh, Crisis 2, which was a really big game, came out. And it was the biggest, the, the most pirated game in the world for, like, four or five years, I want to say. And yeah. the industry was like, oh, well, they figuratively lost, like, this much money and that much money. And then the game ended up selling hugely it wasn't the best-selling game in the world but it sold amazingly and then when people started coming out and saying why they pirated it no one thought about this but it was because the game was so intensive for PC that people pirated it because they didn't want to spend $60 on a game that wouldn't work on their computer like people were people had there were a few people who had bought the game put it onto their computer and it was a decently specced computer it just couldn't run yeah it crisis just, was is always like uh, back in the day when I started building computers you always used crisis as like the the you know standard you still use crisis run, if it could run crisis it could run anything you know? people people still use crisis 2 as the benchmark on if a computer is worth getting for gaming because it'll probably run anything and if it can't run it it'll run it in, on in uh, in minimum decontextualize these sentences are just so funny okay (laughs) yeah but it's interesting to think of but like in the video game world piracy has been a huge talk because some of like the first big instances of DRM come from video games like uh, DRM is what? Uh, I can't remember exactly what it stands for, but it's essentially a copyright. It, it's like a key that you need to unlock. And if I remember correctly, some of the first int- instances... Like a digital key? Yeah, it's like a digital key. And even back in the day, it was an analog key. Um, for instance, uh, the ZX Spectrum, which was an old computer back in the day, which played video games. Ah, digital rights management. It was oh, like, okay. It was something. It was, it was digital something. <laughs> no one, no one likes it. I don't know why anybody <laughs> still uses it. But uh, back in the day, um, ZX Spectrum games were on cassettes, and it was just. A, it wasn't like a special cassette. It was just a regular audio cassette you could go to the store and buy, and then put it into your hi-fi, and then play it. Hopefully with the sound down because it was nothing but static because it's just ones and zeros to tell the computer what's on it. Like a, like a flash drive today or a CD, um, just garbage. And you could record it onto a CD or onto, onto a CD, onto a, uh, another cassette and give it to your friends and they could play it just fine as if they had the original cassette because I mean, it's honestly, just like tape. If you, um, that's really weird. That's one of the main reasons why they're able to pirate, uh, not pirate, but um, copy uh, um, credit card numbers because that credit card strip yeah. is just tape, like regular, like you can play it. And basically what they were doing was taking the tape off, playing it, recording the audio sound, and then putting that on another credit card. They have your credit card magnetic strip now. And they can yeah. swipe things. That's... Wow, I had no yeah. idea about that. That's amazing. Huh, that's very yeah. interesting. But, um, Well, so I think that... So that's about what Kaysen said. Like, and then it comes back to who 
owns these things. And I think that um, is what I'm thinking about with intellectual property because the artists that create it seem not to care in almost every case across mediums um, like music and visual art. I know I'm certainly a visual artist that would love to see their stuff Cop, like you know, pirated and posted everywhere. Yeah. Like, sure. Okay. And I think cool. it comes down to the individual artist. I mean, of course, just don't don't say anything to Lars. Yeah. About, well, about yeah. Uh, someone possibly pirating his music when he was seven and a half. If you haven't gone Maybe. and listened to Chumbawamba again since our music episode. I urge you, yet again, go listen to uh, Torturing James Hetfield by Chumbawamba. You'll get a real good kick. Um, Well, yeah, so who owns that seems to be, I guess the cynical answer is the record companies or the media um, I don't think companies. it's cynical. I think it's, I think it's uh, logical. If you look at those contracts, it's like, like uh, something to, to note is like, uh, something I wanted to bring up is a lot of people stopped buying albums because of Spotify and Pandora and Apple Music and Google Play Music. And I mean, I would say title, but no one's paying you, for title. Do you uh-huh. remember, I don't know if you're old enough to remember this. <laughs> I'm, you're gonna, uh, well, I don't know if it's still the same because I don't think anyone buys music off of iTunes. When you first bought music off of iTunes when it first came out, you couldn't give that music to other people. Oh, yeah. Or like you could do it like <clears throat> once and then and it was like, what the fuck? This is a digital song. Yeah, it was like it was, it's a file. It cost you nothing. Yeah. And but but the thing with like the whole streaming culture we have now is that it's uh, Wolfpack, which is one of my favorite band had an album on Spotify that was 30 that was it had a bunch of songs that were all titled Z Z Z Z Z Z Z like it just kept on going for like seven or eight songs something like that it was entirely silent and they made like enough money with people streaming it to like go on this small little tour but it took them like millions and millions of streams to even make like the average amount of like what you would think they would make no you'd think they make like a hundred thousand dollars i'm pretty sure they only made like twenty thousand and that was after like five million streams which is because they now count as like a purchase like every thousand listens wow it's really weird but that's just how it kind of is and people forget that like i'm pretty sure wolfpack has a really good deal but there are artists out there that make half of a penny sometimes for like who, every- yeah who was the uh artist that like had legal trouble or something earlier this year and there was like the memes going around that was oh, like ja rule yeah it was like listen to ja rule's discography on silence so you can oh, support wait, him it? i don't was think it, ja- it was ja rule it i don't was, remember uh, was it ludicrous I mean, it was no, no it wasn't ludicrous it was someone doing okay it was <laughs> someone you would want to nelly. support it's nelly nelly yeah i'm 100 percent sure it's nelly i had numerous <laughs> friends that just like <laughs> Like, took a screenshot of what their play count was on one day, and then what their play count was the next day, and it was ridiculous. They just played it on repeat all night for three days on a computer. It was crazy. <laughs> but, I mean, like, it, the thing that is, is really interesting is that, like, do you think that having, like, a stream-based, like, more song-based, uh, like, viewership or listenership or whatever encourage encourages artists to make better music for example um, you used to buy a cd and it was like amazing to me if i bought a cd and 
I liked all the songs. Or all the songs were, like, good. Um, and because you'd have to buy the whole CD. So regardless of whether or not you just wanted three or four songs, you bought the whole CD. And now you can just get the individual songs. Like, I'm just going to pick the songs I like. So do you think that encourages artists to make better music? Or do you think... Uh, I think it encourages them to make more singles. More I'm, singles. I'm, saying, I'm just saying that based on the trend of... Yeah. When you look at when Napster became a thing of, like, the very late 90s, very early 2000s, you had this weird thing where, for the longest time, you, we always had the top 40 hits, but there were musicians who were making millions of dollars off of one-hit wonders. Yeah, millions. yeah, yeah. Because you had to buy the whole CD. You had to buy the full cassette. You had to buy the full album. And you'd own those little <laughs> one or two songs off of it. Well, so, not necessarily in, like, the pop world, but I know back in the day... I would buy a CD because I heard a song I liked, or maybe I even just liked the band or thought I might like them and I had to buy it. But I would take time with that CD. Like, I would listen to it so many times that I would learn to like it. You know, like, I would hear, like, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that song's good. But then I'd listen to it over and over and be like, oh, wow, no, this song on the hundredth listen, all of a sudden it struck me. And, um. Columbia Music Club. (laughs) Oh, I scammed them so hard. I don't know how they made any money. Because I'd be like, I'm just going to. Fuck you, Columbia. I would wait till they, like, oh, it's a $5.99 for, like, 10 CDs, done, cancel, done, cancel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I got wanted, so many uh, CDs. On um, oh, the Dark Comedy Late Night uh, show, Open Mike Eagle opens it up with saying, uh, I gave up and became a Spotifyer, paying myself a fraction of a penny playing qualifiers, which is one of his song qualifiers. Like yeah. talking about, well, I guess, you know what? I'm just going to play and get a fraction of a cent every time I play my yeah. song um, and but, just earn myself money. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's weird because uh, the conversation has kind of it in general is around like music for a very because it's like a really big thing but again it's like, the artists, easiest to understand I think ah uh, I don't agree I think movie piracy is the easiest to understand because like movie piracy is simple it's oh if I don't buy this movie then this studio doesn't get paid we already are aware that it's the studios that are making the money because the unless it's a case of like Pulp Fiction where you're getting like the the uh the actors and actresses are getting paid like every week or they're getting a portion of the movie like the the does, uh, what i don't i don't know what you're talking about uh with pulp fiction it was a no one wanted to make it and it was a private i think it's like one of the biggest independent films technically but everyone was paid like the same amount of money and then once the movie came out the reason everybody made millions of dollars was because they were all given a portion of the profits afterwards oh that's pretty interesting yeah well most of the time most actors and actresses are just given their paycheck while they're filming yeah they did their job yeah their job's over like by me buying the new jonah hill movie i'm not giving jonah hill any more money unless he was the director like, um, unless he's the one that had a big thing in the actual... Or maybe the producer. Yeah, unless he was... Yeah. yeah, like, unless that person's the producer or that person's the director, you're really not influencing their network unless they're in the studio. So it's probably, I mean, if you think about it from that standpoint, that's probably why they put so much money into um, the, like, advertising and stuff. Oh, yeah. It's mainly because they're trying to recoup their cost. They've yeah. already paid that money out. The actors got paid, the extras got paid, everyone, the editors, everyone got paid, and now they're just trying to make up yeah. that money that they put but, out. 
I, I think I think an interesting thing that happened. It happened two. I want. It had to have been two years ago because that's when the Force Awakens came out, right? Uh, it, yeah. That was 2015. Is when it came back. 2015, 2016. I think so. I yeah, think coming I up remember. on three years actually. Fifteen. Yeah, because yeah. It's like it's been like one every year. It's gonna be one every year until I'm dead. Right. Um, <laughs> that was that. What happened was somebody got a copy of the early DVD of The Force Awakens, and it leaked a week before the DVD sales went out. And there was huge talk about, oh well, no one's gonna buy the DVD now because they all just have the. Uh, they're all just gonna pirate it. They're gonna torrent it. They're gonna just stream it. And then they're not going to think about it. It still sold, like, millions, like 100 million copies, I think, in, like, its first right. month. And I'm it, sure. And I think that... A lot of those people probably had it downloaded as well. Oh, yeah, no. I, I, I'll say that I know a lot of people who were like, I really want to see The Force Awakens again. Give me The Force Awakens. And then it's like, oh, we have to wait another two weeks until we can you know, go out and buy the DVD and then it got leaked early and a lot of people I know pirated it to watch the movie again and then when the DVD came out they went out and bought it anyway. It was it was almost as if they wanted to watch the movie and because they weren't given like a legal option to watch it, that's where it came down to. Like uh, one of the well biggest things with TV shows is like now going on with the streaming world is like all of these big companies like Netflix and Amazon and Hulu are trying to get all these rights to streaming anime and <laughs> no it, it sounds uh, weird. It makes sense. No I believe it. But the reason for that is because for the longest time you either had to wait until Saturday morning if you were an American kid watching anime the internet explodes and Crunchyroll? Yeah, except here's the thing. Crunchyroll, you have to pay for now. Crunchyroll used to be oh, a really? fan. Yeah, it, would, it used to be a fan sub yeah, place. Yeah, yeah it, it went from being a pirate site to being legit. I have a Crunchyroll subscription because I want to support the anime creators that I want. Why, Amazon, do I have to pay $10 on top of Amazon Video to watch the one show that you haven't even released but got the rights to? I don't know. Fuck yourself. <laughs> Buying Whole Foods, not putting so, out my hands. <laughs> Sorry, that was a tangent. I'm really mad about that. I know. I'm going to be 100% honest. I'm really angry about that. They bought, like, the exclusive rights to five different anime, and they've only released three of them, and the other two have no solid release date, and you have to pay, like, 10 or $15 on top of your Amazon Prime subscription just to have their anime, which is nothing. Sorry, I'm done with that. that well, that's fair. Very so passionate part of me. I think um, the well, I want to say this. I think even if there were a legal way, like if you could instantly stream um, movies that had come out, like if you could do a pay service and stream them, people would still pirate. Oh no, I know everything. For, no, um, I know there are people and they that should. still would. I mean, but um, about, like, like I know that um, Am not Amazon, um, Netflix has done the thing where a lot of uh, yeah, they a lot usually, of the. No, sorry, they usually have it like a month after the DVD release. Yeah, so a lot of if uh, they have if they get the deal right. Well, they have like movies like they Netflix are doing their own movies. They release the movie in the theater as well as on Netflix like at right. the same time. Yeah, and there is I'm not sure if he's an executive that used to work for Netflix or whatever, but um, there is a guy supposedly working on a service where you pay a certain amount of money a month and you can go to as many movies as you want. 
It's like a subscription service for movies. So you pay like ten dollars huh. a month or whatever, and you can go to the theater as many times as you want, see as many movies as you want. I'm just like, I would pay for that shit. See, the weird thing with this though is like to to get into the history of like piracy and getting into it. People forget. Napster. Napster is awesome, right? It was. Yeah. We still use it every day. It's Spotify. The person, like one of the big names from Napster, made Spotify. Like, huh? Like that's one interesting. Of the it is big five different from, though. No, it, it's different, but it's literally the same model. It's the same model of, oh hey, I'm gonna go to this place. I'm going to download this, and even like it, you don't even need to have an actual full subscription to listen to it on your laptop still. You can listen to it on a desktop or laptop PC and stream whatever you want. You just get ads. But right, you get ads, you got- and there's a couple weird caveats. Like, if you make playlists... Um, you, it has to play on shuffle. It all, yeah, shuffle. Same thing with albums. You can't listen to an al- a specific album or a specific artist like yeah. in non shuffle. Yeah, but that's been that's been transitionary because when Spotify first came out, you could pretty much do all of that. Right, right. Like, I mean, I think you like it was on phones that you had to use shuffle for albums and right. stuff. But it just goes to show that people who are in the piracy world, they aren't just stealing stuff. They're trying to make sure people have an option to listen to it because I know a bunch of people who will wait for a movie to come out on DVD, pirate it, and then if they like it, they'll then buy the DVD. Just because they want, if, if they want to support it, they want to support it, but they don't want to give money to a shitty movie that has a lot of hype around it and then end up hating it. What are they going to do? Go return the movie? The company, the the store eats that cost, not the actual. Yeah. And it's just like one of my favorite movies. Um, we used to have a... Um, we used to do this thing called Shitty Movie Night back in the day, where we'd just go over to, like, a friend's house, and we'd pick, like, the most just... We'd go to Blockbuster and pick, like, the most random... This looks like an interesting movie. Um, and one of my favorite movies came from that and ended up buying the DVD, Equilibrium. Sarah freaking hates that movie, but it's, like, one of my favorite movies. We um, It's, like, usually a test. Like, we'll show the movie, and usually guys love it and girls hate it. Um, but... Why? Why? I, I think it's a great movie. But, um... I feel like it's like the free sample idea. Like, if I go to Costco and they're serving something that I like, I'm going to buy a whole box of that shit. So I think that if you... And I've gotten into a lot of artists like that, like on from Pandora. I'll be just playing Pandora and they'll play an artist that I hadn't heard before and I'm just like, oh, shoot, that's... A, and I'd go look up all their stuff and now I'm buying their, their albums, you know? So I think that it's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think that... I don't think it's bad at all. I I think it's awesome. My thing with piracy is it it all depends on what your intention is with it. To me, if it's, I don't feel like paying for this, so I'm just going to do this, and you have no intention of supporting the original creators, there might be a problem there. But if your intention is... You know, I heard this movie was good, but I don't want to... It's You know, I can't rent it yet, so I'll just pirate it, and if I like it, then I'll just buy the DVD. Or same thing with music of, like, you know, I keep on hearing people talk about this artist. Let me go on YouTube real quick and listen to a couple of their songs off of that. I feel like there's no problem in it whatsoever um, to take a very extreme stance. Uh, like... There's, 
Yeah, I, I download. I actually, well, I don't even own a computer right now, so I'm not downloading crap. Uh, and I do have a Spotify account. That's how I listen to most of my music. But when I get a computer again, I will continue the process of mass pirating things that I want because they're free. They're digital files. It costs nothing to anyone for me to take them. And if I wasn't going to take them, I just wouldn't do it. I'm not going to spend $20 an album to get the Bjork discography. I love it. I listen to it all the time. But I'm not going to pay that. I have better things to do with my money. If she came here in concert, I would see her. You know, I'd probably buy a shirt. I might buy, like, a vinyl or something special and commemorative. Um, But, like... I, yeah, I feel like people have a, almost a right to consume art um, of various kinds. Um, and I don't think people should never get compensated or anything like that. Obviously, I would like to be compensated, like, to make art and whatnot. But even everything, like, every poem I've ever published and stuff has always been uh, creative commons. Um, so saying not only... Yeah, take it, download it, give it out, put it in your own anthology if you like it or whatever. Don't try to make a personal profit from it. Um, But then also, like, the Creative Commons license is really vague um, and encouraging. It's even like, take three lines out of this and write your own poem around it. You know, like, it it encourages that um, idea, like, you know... Intellectual property, that concept, in a lot of ways, kills some of the more creative urges of art making. Um, I like a lot of folk music, and what's good about modern folk music, um, real modern folk music, not just stuff that has the aesthetic of acoustic guitars and whatnot, is folk songs are meant to be passed around people. You take them, you change them, you make them your own, you uh, add a verse here, you take something out, you critique something, you take a popular song, and you write the rewrite the words to make it about something important to you. Um, and I think that when artists are so tight with their personal work, as great as it is for them, and I'm glad they, you know, did it all, like, it really hampers what I believe to be the greater creative and artistic spirit. Um, I think I mentioned them on the music episode, that band, like, Negative Land, that took a, made a whole album out of YouTube samples, um, and stuff like that, or, uh, that's hilarious and funny, and it's its own art. Um, and technically, they stole that from U2. Technically, it's U2's art, um, mm-hmm. even though, you know, but like, I think there should be that kind of freedom and almost encouraged. Um, I know there's complex problems around how do you actually uh, compensate the original artists and stuff, but for the most part, it's not costing these people all that much stuff, you know? And especially when you're talking about famous artists and stuff, like, if you had a record deal to, and you got this much money, you're probably compensated for writing that song um, already. And a hundred million people downloading it in the future. Uh, or whatever, isn't gonna make you less rich. Um, but can artists say, no, I don't want you to pirate it? I don't think they can. Why not? Um, well, I mean, you believe in the death of the author, right? The postmodern idea. No, I, I personally do. I'm just asking to, yeah. to pick. Um, 
because if once you release it, it's almost like it's out. It's it's the public's now um, to a certain extent. Like each when you perform it and stuff, that's your own. You know, they it's like they can't come into your concerts for free or whatever if you don't want to perform free concerts. But once you've created that, like let's to keep it in uh, mp3 or um something once it becomes the mp3 is not the song you know um it's just a file uh well, what do you feel about like the um oh, i lost the word public domain how, how long do you think the public domain should be do you think it should be like a year two years 20 years 30 years 50 years um probably pretty short um under 10. <laughs> Under 10? Yeah. <clears throat> to encourage that creativity. Now, I don't, I, like... Well, I mean, because, like, the public domain exists specifically so that, like, the idea behind it, even in our Constitution, it's supposed to be, like, 23 years, but I might get into all of the, the bullshit that happened around that, but... I mean, I just took a random guess. I've never thought about <clears throat> that question. Yeah. Um, so, like, with the public domain, it exists as, like a buffer for all kinds of artists to essentially turn some kind of a profit. It exists so that someone like um, F. Scott Fitzgerald can put The Great Gatsby out and make money over 23 years and then after those 23 years other people can take that story and adapt it or do a prequel on it, whatever it is. Um, if we were using the original time of being able to take something and then it's in the public domain, you can do whatever you want with it. It's when you think of like, you ever, have you ever thought about like, why are they always doing this? Why are they doing a fifth version of Romeo and Juliet? Or why are they doing another, uh, the, the Princess and the Pauper? Why are they doing another one of these and that? Uh, it mostly comes down to it's the public domain. Yeah, because they're free use. It, it, it's a free use thing. They're designed to be something that you can always grab from. And even The Great Gatsby, I can go and make my own Great Gatsby movie or book or whatever I want, and right. no one can tell me otherwise because it's public domain. Yeah, you can now, write your own version yeah, of it in which if I, if he I instigates put, a communist revolution. Yeah, I mean, if I write a version of The Great Gatsby, be that's a movie that's a hundred years in the future that's this neo-punk thing this uh this neo-cyberpunk thing sounds like a great idea actually yeah i mean it's fun but if somebody then took that idea and then made their made their version of my thing that would be copyright infringement well the, the thing is i'm getting to a weird place with this conversation because i think that i started out thinking if i worked really hard on something, if I created, um, you know, this painting or drawing or whatever, um, I don't know how cool I would be with someone, like, copying it, but then at the end of the day, I'm thinking about it from the standpoint that, yeah, I would like my art to be out there. Um, I don't want someone necessarily claiming, like, claiming... Ownership. Ownership of my art. Right, right. But... I don't know if I would be upset if, like, my art was out there, even if I didn't necessarily make money off of it. I think um, ownership is the key difference there. Like, if someone's trying to, like, they copy the painting that you did, and it's, like, a very original painting, and then they, like, are making tons and tons of money off of it as, like, an original idea or something, that becomes problem, like a problem. I mean, Ariana Grande did that. There was an artist who designed, you know, those cat ear 
headphones that you'll see yeah. around. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that wasn't designed by or influenced by Ariana Grande at all. There was an Indiegogo <laughs> campaign to make these, like, cool headphones that acted as headphones and then also as, like, speakers. And cool. then somebody took that idea and then put Ariana Grande's face on it, had her wear them because it kind of matched her aesthetic, and then sold them. Well, American... Yeah, What's that clothing company? American something? American Eagle? Apparel? American Apparel. Your Eagle. But it was American Apparel, but that's actually not what I meant to say. That's just what I was thinking. Um, uh, Urban Outfitters. Urban oh. Outfitters is notorious for stealing designs for jewelry and t-shirts off of like Etsy artists and stuff. <clears throat> and I think that's fucked up because they're stealing an original work and they're making lots of profit off yeah. of it. Because they're like, they're like stealing the, uh, the ownership. Um, yeah. You know, and that becomes problematic. I don't know how you like solve that difference, like how you have that a like a system that would encourage such free and openness, but not allow other people to like blatantly rip you off. Well, um, I think it comes down to like if you see a design that you like and you ask them, "Hey, can I use that design?" If they say yes or no, should determine where you go with it. If they say yes, you can use this. Then I view it as full game. If they say no, don't use this. And if you make it and then give it out for free, that becomes an issue because now you're just undercutting them. Yes, um, but like, I mean, like, so... Well, if, if you, but if, if you, you made it, if you sang the new Tw Taylor Swift song um, and released it for free, would you be undercutting Taylor Swift? Like, do you think people would be like, oh, I heard Zach sing it, so I don't need to hear Taylor anymore? Well, no, but what I'm saying with that is, like, if I had taken one of your collages, recreated it 100% perfectly, and then I was like, hey, I want to sell this. I did my own version of exactly what you did, and you were selling it for, let's say, $20, and then you had a buyer, and then... You were like, no, you know, I'm about to sell this. I'm not going to make much money on it, but I just wanted to sell it really quick. And then I just gave that exact thing to him, and then he doesn't buy what you created. Wouldn't that be undercutting you? I suppose it would. Because that's Although, more what I'm getting at. Like, I equal feel like, playing field. Yeah, but what I was getting at was uh, that I think there, when it becomes art, art is kind of like associated with the artist to a certain degree. Um, so, like, in that situation, I feel like... To be cocky, like my art would just have more weight. Like yeah. <laughs> it would be worth more because I created the original, and you directly admitted that you just copied it. Yeah. Um, and so, like to a historian or to like someone that's assigning cultural value or something, I mine would have more cultural value. But I don't know. That's an interesting point. But, it would but, also be interesting since I make collages and stuff. If someone, even like a listener to the show, was like, oh yeah, well, fuck you, Adam. I disagree with your views altogether and took one of my collages and like cut most of it out and collaged it into their painting. You know, <laughs> like, I don't know how I'd feel about that. I, like, I kind of encourage it. Wink, wink. Um, but yeah, maybe I would be pissed off well, if then they sold that painting for $100 and it was just like a black square around well, my collage. Well, here, here's one thing I wanted to bring up because it's, it's an interesting idea about like intellectual property. So we can kind of agree that like me singing a Taylor Swift song isn't going to undercut Taylor Swift's market. Yeah, being hyperbolic. But <laughs> does Johnny Cash singing another folk artist's song changing... <clears throat> 10 words from it and then having it be a hit on the radio undercut that artist well because he did that 
Oh, what did you oh, think yeah. about it from the... Well, here... There it is, is another three song. Times. That song, Hallelujah, which is probably... There's a whole podcast on Hallelujah. Basically, it was like... It was written, and then rewritten, and then rewritten, and then someone sang it, and then, like, someone else sang it, and then that person died, which, like, brought it back, and then, like... So, it's like... The version that we know that is really popular is, like, a re-recording of a re-recording of a re-recording. That's, um... I, I, I really Leonard, love I, the original. I, I it's Leonard Cohen. Yeah. Leonard Cohen, yeah. Leonard Cohen wrote 80 different verses for it. He never performs the same version. He has, like, 80 different well, verses. did. Did. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. that's... So, not, sad, but, yeah. But the whole thing was, like, the the podcast that I was... I think it was, um... And I'm plugging another podcast here, but, um... Uh, Malcolm Gladwell's, um... Revisionist History. And I don't remember the name... Of the actual, the name of the episode is a really good one, but it goes into different kinds of creativity, how certain people never finish. It's always a work in progress, and I feel like Leonard Cohen is one of those artists. It's always a work in progress, so that's why he has so many different versions of that song, because he was never really finished with it, you know? And he's always tweaking it. But but how do you feel about that? Ode to an Orgasm, I believe. Really? I think so. Giving it, like... In its full, like, biblical, spiritual connotations. How do I feel about what, Zach? How do you feel about what Johnny Cash had done in his life? Of, like... Um, Because, I mean, he was taking folk songs, but he was also making a lot of money off of it. Right, right. And the people he stole from were dirt. Yeah, no, I think that's the the differentiation. Um, And it is hard to fully realize a world without that. Um, But, like, just like Kaysen said, I think it's the... uh, they're like he was stealing ownership of it in a way because he tried to privatize it into his own song um and i don't know um because i think that's but then the there's the whole record there. company backing and the record company claiming intellectual property from those things and uh pushing them out and like the money making machine behind the record company yeah. so it's almost like the record industry stealing those folk songs and using Johnny Cash as a vessel um well no he's the one who stole them he admitted it kind of like uh what, what, oh. it, it's his famous song I shot a man in Reno I can't remember the name of it something blues Folsom Folsom's uh, uh, Prison Blues yeah yeah like Folsom Blues I'm pretty sure it's like anywhere between 7 or 10 words in that song are different than the original and yeah. the original was sung by this like folksy group from the 50s that had like a small little recording contract and they just put their music out there and he must have he must have heard it and yeah, then, yeah, I'm sure. And then literally took all of the words, took the melody, but sped it up so it was a little faster, and then added guitar to it. And that was well, that Natalie song, Torn, is a cover I just yeah. recently discovered, which blew my mind. Um, well, anyways, this, uh... So I kind of see like Spotify and streaming services and stuff like that and Netflix as much as I like them and use them almost as the industry's way of trying to combat piracy and prevent it, like subsume it. Um, They're doing that in much more direct ways as well, though. Um, Well, because it could all be free, theoretically. Um, Yeah, but the, the draw of Netflix and the draw of Spotify... Because, uh, you know, Spotify has the, oh, you can do this, but with ads, and that's kind of their model because, you know, it's a good way to support it. Yeah. Netflix, I mean, the only reason Netflix exists is because some dude didn't want to pay $43 to return a Blockbuster DVD he forgot to return. Right. Like, and then made his whole, his whole company about, 
oh, you just there's no there's no late fees. Just keep the DVD as long as you want. Just pay the monthly fee and then just send it back when you're fully done with it. And then it became a streaming service. And to me, with where Netflix was, yeah, Netflix has done some like not so cool things and like. Oh, no, I'm saying I, I fully love them. I just feel like that's what they uh, serve in a systematic um, way. But they're now doing it more directly as well. Like HBO, since the like, Game of Thrones leaks and stuff like that. They're they paying... leaked their own episode. Huh? They leaked one of their own episodes. HBO did? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't think. That was, that was probably the funniest thing I, I had heard. they released it in like Europe earlier. Like accidentally or, like, or, like, or yeah, something? Yeah, accidentally early on like one of their like... They, like in another country, I think. Yeah, was it? It was, I'm pretty sure it was so, another country. So but. they released another country's version of it, like a day earlier or something like that, or well, a couple they're, days early. They put out because they got because of hacking and stuff. Was it a, a ten million dollar um, bounty? Bounty, yeah, to find the hackers and stuff. So like the companies don't like well, uh, piracy. You I know? mean, piracy does suck. But another thing to think about is, like, specifically in those hacks, there was confidential information about some of the people that worked for the company in it. Well, then you got to think about it from the standpoint that it's not necessarily that, I, as far as I understand from the Netflix, was it Netflix or was it whoever it was that got hacked? HBO. HBO was like, oh, we have your stuff. Give us this much Bitcoin. As opposed to, like, regular piracy where they're not necessarily holding the company hostage. Oh, yeah. You know, so in the, the hack. They're like, okay, we have your shit. We're going to release it, and you're going to give us this much money to not. I think that's a little bit different oh, than Oh, that's way piracy. different. I wasn't aware yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. What, like, most happened. of the information they stole wasn't even, like... They took Game of Thrones just because they knew it would be the biggest financial... Public. It would... Well, not even public. It would be a matter of, like... Cause they lost a lot of money. They actually didn't. They didn't. Because people still watched it again. That's like that's the whole thing with like this whole piracy issue of people talking about like oh well, episodes being leaked early and you know DVDs like DVD quality videos going up before the DVD comes out like if people like when it comes to Game of Thrones and Star Wars and Finding Dory and all of these big movies and TV shows that come out if they get leaked all that's gonna happen is the people that won't, don't don't want to wait the extra three four days to watch it. We'll just watch it, and then when it becomes something else to watch, they'll just watch it again. Because the people that don't have HBO or don't just use their parents' password like a real American to get onto <laughs> HBO Go... I'm like five people on my Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Like, if, if people aren't just doing that, they were going to pirate it anyway, but those that really like the show and are trying to support HBO and whatever... We're going to watch it either on TV, on HBO, or on right. HBO Go, on their laptop or their phone or whatever anyway. And I think that's the distinction there is like, the, they uh, really, how could they lose that much money if people are watching an episode two or three times? Interesting. Like, okay. Like, I'm pretty sure HBO could make money just like they should just take a week and just show all of Game of Thrones. One thing. Show all of Game of Thrones <laughs> and watch like a thousand people die from malnutrition and dehydration from wanting to marathon the entire thing in one sitting. I get it'll happen. Well, that's a sad picture of the world. It's sad, but I, <laughs> um, I, I promise. But I mean, you, it's, it's, I haven't. I've seen like half of one episode. 
Um, but I heard it's a good show. I mean, it's one of the most popular shows. I've never seen any. Um, I I watched the first most of the first season. I didn't like it. I'm rewatching it again to try to give it another chance. I'm, oh wow! People, people have told me it gets good at season four. I'm like okay, <laughs> but, but we're unlike, three unlike non Game like, of Thrones, like that's Breaking really Bad, rare. which was good pretty much the whole way yeah. through. I will recommend Breaking Bad anytime, any day. It's freaking amazing. Um, Twin Peaks, the show from the '90s, came back. Um, and I Showtime. Never watched it in the '90s. Show, huh? I wasn't I alive. I never watched it in the '90s. I, I it was. It was. I watched it in. I don't uh, think I was the, alive. Like, <laughs> probably 2006 or so is when I first saw it. But uh, it came back and like a 25 years later thing because in like one of the episodes, one of the characters and it like. In a surreal, to not give away too much scene, um, a character says, I'll see you again in 25 years. 25 years later, they brought the show back. Pretty cool. Well, it's on that Showtime. Was, that was happenstance. No, it wasn't. Th- they've admitted it was planned. Uh, David Lynch, like, I'm sure he had no idea knowing that, yes, this will absolutely come back in 25 years, but... Of course, he was like, it's 25 years later, I'm a famous, I'm bringing this back. I yeah. said I would. Um, but anyways, they've shown like the show statistics on that. Uh, the majority of people that watch it on the Showtime that they have to pay for only watch that on Showtime. Like, the majority of uh, people watching it on Showtime bought Showtime Express or Go or whatever it is uh, just to watch Twin oh, yeah. Peaks because they love the show mean, so much. So two, that's... What was it? Uh, what was The Sopranos on? HBO? Or was it Showtime? It was HBO, I think. It was, I, because I remember my mom, every year that The Sopranos season would come out, she would just order HBO for three months, and then the very last season finale, she would cry, and then she would call them up and say, you have to cancel my HBO. And then she would get That's it back. That's awesome. That's like, like a Columbia House scam. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. But, but that was the thing, is because it's a monthly subscription, she just like... That's, that's why she had HBO. She had HBO in the house to make sure that she could watch The Sopranos. And that's it. And... I know people who get Netflix, parents or whatever, get Netflix just because of the Disney broadcasts on there, which is why there might be, like, a little bit of an issue when Disney's streaming service goes up because of the whole vault situation. Like, oh, Disney's one of the biggest yeah. companies to be pirated oh, damn. outside of Star hey, Wars and that. Hey, Chuck. <laughs> Hi, guys. We're talking about piracy. Nice. Chuck just came in. Not we, uh, swashbuckling. Oh, I'm just saying. A little bit of a... Uh, Chuck, um, <laughs> Chuck is with Kymatic Studios. Uh, he allows us to record in his luxurious recording studio. And I pirate their uh, podcast uh, every chance I get and try and make money off of it. Um, Chuck, do you... What do you do feel about piracy? Like, the, the idea of, like, downloading and watching movies, music, and... So, you know, as an artist, yes. I have very conflicted feelings because, one, um, I want to be paid for my work. Um, but I know that <laughs> hardly, you know, like the music companies, they rape you. Everybody, like, you're lucky to get anything out of any kind of content. Uh, most of your revenue is going to come from live shows and or um, if you retain your rights to your uh, merchandising and stuff like that. And so in movies, it's similar, I think. You know, there's a lot of money that goes to whatever you made as an artist. It's, you know, you're you were paid to do the movie, usually. Yeah. So it's and not the, it's not the same. Recouping their budget. Right, and you want them to recoup their budget so they keep doing the stuff you like. Yeah. That kind of thing. So, you know, but there's... I have... <clears throat> but do you deserve... How much more do you deserve if 
a hundred people like your song and listen to it every day versus a hundred thousand? Do you think, I mean, that's a, maybe there is an answer. Maybe if you, a hundred thousand people like you, you just deserve more money. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it's based on popularity and if that's what we're doing, then yeah. I mean, if, if they're making money off of like ad revenue or any, uh, or uh, subscription okay. well, services. That's because someone's, yeah, you commoditized know, that's a you. Thing. Right. But like it, with piracy, it's, um, I have different feelings about it even versus software versus movies versus music. Oh, software. We don't have enough time. We should have devoted <laughs> yeah, some time software. to software. I tried to bring up video games, but that's that's a very complex world. I don't give a shit about video games. You always try to bring it up, so <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, sorry. I'm going to tell you the most interesting thing about the, the my favorite DRM tactic of all time. Two of them. One, which is Serious Sam 3, where you can pirate the game and you can play through the entire game, but a scorpion creature that's completely unkillable will follow you the entire game and kill you. But you can play the entire game. So if you're a good enough player, <laughs> you can awesome. beat the entire game. That's you a pretty kill funny... Him. The yeah. other thing is there's Video Game Tycoon, which is a video game about making and being a video game developer. And what happens is eventually you reach a point where everyone starts pirating your video games so much that you can't make money and then you fail as a business. <laughs> That's amazing. But you can only get that if you pirate it. And people were on forums and on Twitter like, why am I getting this error? Everyone's everyone's pirating my game. How do I do this? And then the developers were just like, you should probably buy our game. It might fix the problem. <laughs> That's awesome. I thought you'd like both of those things. <laughs> because of the tendency for the rate of profit to fall. <laughs> <laughs> and as anything, like I'm also a game developer. So Right. Oh, so yeah. so with that it's like we How cool to have you here. <laughs> you gotta you know, you gotta reap. You know, there's a lot of money that goes out uh, a lot of times and or effort. You know, I've spent years of my life working on this game. And if, like, we don't make uh, enough money on it, then uh, I don't get to keep doing it. (laughs) And um, how do you feel about, like, if you had, like, a very graphically intensive game that you were developing, Mm -hmm. how do you feel about somebody pirating your game or, like, asking you for a demo of your game so they can make sure it runs on their system? Mm -hmm. That was was a big thing that happened. There's a lot of different uh, models with that. And then some of them are even, like, the whole, like, in-app purchase type thing. You you give them a demo of the game for a dollar or for free, and if they like it, they check it out, and, and they're feeling it, then you could do content-based um, uh, payments, so it's like every, we'll give you a little bit more content, that's five bucks, another more, little bit more content, another five bucks. So there's a lot of different models that seem to be more consensual, you know what I mean? Instead of right. like, hey, everybody's talking about this game, you want to drop $60 on it, or more, and then you like get it, and you're like, I really don't like the way the game plays. Yeah, I tend to think of in-app purchases games, though, to be kind of on the evil side. That I think they like annoying. prey well, what on about, certain uh, things. Mario human nature. Did you hear about their model? Never. Nope. Uh, Nintendo decided to like get into the phone market, and one of the things they they did is they released a a it's a free app you can download on any of your phone, and it's just an endless runner where you just like tap to make Mario run. And there's some interesting, cool things with it, but they give you the first ten levels for free to see if you like it, mm. and you can play those a billion times. They don't s- stop you from it, but if you want to get the other worlds and levels and stuff, you just pay 10 bucks and that's it. There's no, you don't pay a dollar to get a special uniform. You don't pay, you know, 50 cents to get 
fake money right. to get other things in the game. That sounds much, yeah, that much nicer. That stuff always feels <laughs> really, really gnarly to me when you can buy like in-game assets or yeah. or money, yeah. and you Better then have nothing. an advantage over other players. Yeah, pay that's down. that's like these toll lanes that they want you to pay for. You don't have to get stuck in traffic. No. You can pay that extra twelve dollars. I um I played that game Ingress uh, that yeah. like Pokemon Go is loosely based Rhythm. on and yeah. stuff. Loosely, it's the same thing. Well, <laughs> no, yeah, they, yeah, no, yeah. No, I, I'm telling you. No, Niantic I know it is. It's made by, yeah, yeah. I, I looked at Pokemon Go. I was like, oh, those are all portals. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, but in the game, what ended up happening was the chats were full of people selling, like, items <laughs> and stuff. And, like, you could, they started eventually, I think it's still like that now. I haven't played in a while. Um, you can buy stuff to, like, attack stuff harder or to defend mm. harder. And it's like, that makes it not very fun. I mean, it's the same um, thing in, like, a lot of those games I play a couple of those games right now and it becomes an issue where you have like um, other it's like there's a lot of players in other countries that just have the money to burn so they're like you go to fight this you know like their fortress or whatever and it's just like just maxed out and you're like how how did they get all this stuff within a short period of, oh they just bought it or it is or it is a friend of mine who makes a lot, a lot of money out of uh, exploiting EverQuest to make a lot of money for a long time. Props to you to figure that out because you made a, you made a lot of money, bro. Yeah, I wouldn't call myself a game purist by any means, but I like the idea of once you step into the game world, that's where you are. That's where you're operating. The idea that you can use your real-world money and privilege, because that's what it freaking is. I mean, that's pretty much what it is, to put you ahead. Not skills, not based on merit or how many hours of play or anything like that, but you can use your real-world money to influence uh, your performance in the game or even against other players. It just feels uh, it feels shady to me. It feels, it feels sketchy. How do you feel about this, though? It's like a big thing for a while now has been people downloading older retro games for like the NES, mm-hmm. Genesis, and Game Boy to play them on their phone or mm-hmm. on their computer for free to kind of On their re- calculator. Yeah. <laughs> you can play Pokemon on your calculator, TI-82, 3, and 4. Did it Damn, in high school, sick. yeah. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. It was great. <laughs> the The thing with that is a lot of these developers, not a lot of them, but, but a decent amount of these developers either don't exist or bought by somebody else or... You know, there hasn't been an Earthworm Jim game in, what, 30 years? Something like that? Earthworm Jim was awesome. So you guys know about copyright law with um, in regards to uh, public making it... Uh, oh, yeah, we talked about public yeah. domain before public you came domain. in. Okay, so it's like with... I think it's like 50 years for writing or, or well, things like that. There's... That's actually... It, it's a lot longer than that. Is it now? <laughs> it's, it's because technically it's the life of the author plus 50 years. Okay. So, so it like J.K. Rowling, if J.K. Rowling died today, it would be... Shoot. 50 years? It would be 55 years for it to go through. And the weird thing with that is technically, like, Walt Disney is the reason for this. Um... Yeah, yeah. It was extended. Oh, they totally yeah, screwed right. up copyright. It was laws. extended three times because Mickey Mouse was going to go into the public domain in what two thousand? Yeah, four, five. I remember reading about that. Yeah, they extended copyright another 
20 years or something. So obviously we need to update some of that because like, oh yeah, we haven't, when we're talking about software, it's like it's on a different timetable entirely. Yeah. Not software, but even technology. So if you're looking at like with writing and hard copies and stuff, and then also with the nature of software, even businesses and titles, I like, I understand IP, you know what I mean? Like, oh, we, we don't want uh, Duke Nukem or something to go in the public domain Duke because Nukem. that's a character we came up with. It has yeah. the likelihood, but like the game itself, one, it's it's outdated code. If you can actually get it to work on something, um, more power to you. So, I want to bring this to a whole nother level. In the 80s, when you had the Exxon Valdez oil spill, it was cleaned up with a genetically modified organism, mm. and that company ended up copywriting that organism. Oh, yeah. And that is the first time uh, patent, and it was held up in court because people said, wait, you can't patent an organism. And the court ruled they had modified it that living organism that eats the oil and stuff is now a property of a company. And that's how you have stuff like Monsanto now and the they own the genome of certain species, uh, like of the genetically modified stuff. So, I think that's just patent trolling. I think that's different than IP. Like, Oh no, they, I don't n- think so. No, no, it, but they patented it, right? That's what they did? Yes. Yeah, that's patent trolling. That's the same thing as if I go out and develop, like, like there was a there's a big patent troll which owns the uh, the software patent on um, checking of servers. Everything that connects to the internet touches a server mm. at one point. At any given point, someone can just that company can just send you a letter and be like, oh yeah, you're in, you're in breach of our of our patent, and they've completely clogged up the whole patent court system because you have actual cases of patent trolling or patent infringement and then you have like take that multiply it by 20 and that's how many are just patent trolls that just all they do is they just patent stuff that either doesn't exist yet or is extremely broad and then use that in the court right that is not what they are doing though that is not like owning genetically modified organisms or um even uh people are trying to get patents on discovering genome sequences and stuff like that. Yeah. That's that's not patent trolling. That's, that's That's trying to apply the yeah intellectual property to life itself to DNA. Um, like no, with Monsanto, that, it's, it's the things that happen patent is uh, the wheat. Like so, I'm growing Monsanto wheat in my farm, and it blows over, and some starts growing into your farm, and then Monsanto comes says, "Hey, we tested your wheat. You didn't." pay for this you owe us like mm-hmm. all this that's, money because that's we is own patent this. trolling though they're yeah. they're manipulating the patent system so they can say hey we own this now you have to pay us it's the same thing as what happens if i develop a certain way of you know using a screen that wraps around my wrist and then you know apple develops a way how to do that 10 15 years from now and then I go, you're breaking my patent, you're breaking my patent, I patented that. Yeah, I don't see how that's patent trolling and how that differentiates from uh, just the concept of the intellectual property. Like, that's what they're doing. They're saying we created this and we own it. No, exactly, Um, but that's the same thing I'm saying. I'm saying I I came up with this idea. I'm the first one to put it onto paper and have the courts agree that I'm the first one to put it onto paper. And if anybody else does this, it's my property and you owe me that. Monsanto, you could argue that their goal with that kind of a thing is, 
well, we already know that no matter what, it's going to get onto other farms and spread and go somewhere else. And then all we have to do is just test it and then have them pay us money so we can make more money to develop more crops that will then spread more so that we can get more money. I don't think that was their goal. I think their goal is to own life. So, but you can go back to like the non-spreading things like the Valdez, Exxon Valdez oil spill. Like the idea that if you want to clean up an oil spill with this method, you have to buy this stuff and it's... I don't what necessarily think it's that it nefarious, though. I think it, it mainly yeah. goes to making money. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. I, it, I don't even think they're thinking about it from the standpoint that this is necessarily owning life, per se. It's like, okay, this is something that we can make or this is something that we can explain in such a way that will make us more money. I don't exploit think they, the market. We can exploit the market, exactly. And... In most cases, like farmers or even like smaller companies aren't going to be able to fight any of those organizations. And if even if they are, they'll just be tied up in litigation for so long that it doesn't matter. They'll run out of money eventually. And that's generally what they're trying to do is take a system that already exists and exploit it for their own profit. Yeah. You know, so at the end of the day, it's kind of like a really evolved form of patent trolling to a certain extent. It's just like, whoa, we know these laws for patents exist. We're going to make them work for us. Yeah. Either way, you know? it actually goes into what you guys were talking about in the previous episode with like uh, the, the limits of or uh, of capitalism. And there are some things obviously that there should not be a profit motive in. And that, you know, yeah. I mean, the, the things like in healthcare and the story, you know, yeah. prison, military, war, people should not be making money off of mass murder of other people people end of story you know what i mean it's 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 just insane to me that that's even a thing yeah. and it just shows that our system is like it allows for there to be patent trolling or exploitation of markets things like that there's serious limitations that should be put and, and when we bring it on back it's like when we get into even piracy there might be legitimate uh exceptions for for piracy for instance i learned <clears throat> certain software, how to use it on pirated uh, on a pirated software. Of course. And I wouldn't Photoshop. have gained those skills in it and wouldn't have bought it years later because I wouldn't have never known how to use it, didn't get to build those skills. So, And I think some of those companies actually built that into their model. They knew that. And now actually with it being, they have like student pricing mm. and this and that, and it's very accessible. So the, the, the need to do that is less because of different yeah. um, revenue models they're using. I mean, a, a big one has always been WinRAR mm. of just oh, like yeah. the, the infinite trial. And the only reason, <laughs> the only reason that exists infinite trial. is, well, I, I, I got bored and I was researching into it. I'm like, why, why is it that you don't have to pay for WinRAR? And it's because the way their license is set up, it's specifically for businesses. If you're a business and you use WinRAR for your company on your computers, you have to pay because you're making a profit. See, that's out beautiful. Of yeah, them doing that. But if you're a user, the reason they built that into it is because, like, like if if they found out that a company was using. WinRAR for like an everyday thing, they could see them and make a lot of money. They're not gonna care about me saying, yeah, I'll, I'll buy it tomorrow, whatever, shut up, and just un unzip this folder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. they don't care because they're not gonna be making any money off of me because I'll probably just go pirate the software or I'll use a different program that's free and works the same. Yeah. I guess I just think like that it's really apparent to me or it's something I think a lot is that 
it, it's becoming necessary to like assert that there is common ownership and mm. common ownership amongst what we call intellectual property and mm. there should be um, and something shouldn't be copywritten like in the future we're gonna have CRISPR um, this little thing going around your body taking out cancer um, when you develop it the person copyrights that and you have to they set the market price and you have to well, pay them this much money for blah 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 even though I'm talking about they couldn't do that like, with CRISPR huh they couldn't do that with CRISPR oh yes they could CRISPR is a natural thing that happens in your own body yeah and they've discovered how to manipulate it to uh, rewrite gene sequences the China's already done it yeah um, but I don't think you could I don't think you can patent the process of manipulating it that'd be like patenting the way that you bind books no it's no because holding to the logic now I'm only holding to the logic of patents and stuff the way the Exxon Valdez microbiology thing uh, the uh, the algae or whatever they just modified it to do something else and they own it now well yeah but like the so the for CRISPR, CRISPR s- they have to modify it to erase cancer or to erase uh, whatever they want it to erase or whatever they want it yeah, to yeah but it doesn't become something rewrite. it doesn't become something different could though. they modify the process though I mean not modify could they um, patent the process I don't know if they can patent a process I think that's 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 a copyright thing that's not a huh well that's something we have to that, look into that's a copyright thing not a patent thing because those are technically different legal processes because I was looking at CRISPR and the thing with CRISPR and like people like people have had that fear and like a bunch of scientists from what I remember were saying how you can't really it's a thing that already exists your body already uses CRISPR it just it would be us telling it would be like I mean it would kind of be like code but not really you would just be it is very much like code eh, it's way more complex than that but I mean in the sense of you're trying to tell it to do something sure but it it's a lot to to explain but I, I barely understand it but from what I remember them saying it's what they're looking for is the process to just change what sections of the genome process it even touches. So it would still be the same thing because CRISPR is just a natural thing that your body does with all of its cells. I don't think you can patent that because they're not changing anything about the cell. They're just changing the process that a portion of the cell uses. I feel like they don't see that distinction that you're trying to draw there. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm betting if they can find a way. I mean, they might be able to manipulate it, but I mean, they would have to, at, at that point, then every single human, or nearly every single uh, fauna in the world would be in well, copyright violation. No, I feel like you're getting to the point now where if an organization has enough money and good enough lawyers, they can pretty much do whatever they want, regardless of how we want to. No, I, I can agree. I just like I just think that, that would be it or, it'd be a silly thing to try to copyright just because there would be a bit of a fight in that. Just because well, it, it is. It depends on how much of it depends on how much money you have and it depends on how big you are. I, how big the payoff. I can agree, be. but it's also a matter Curing of like cancer. we've we've seen big companies fail at they this want kind the money of thing for before. It. Hmm. We've seen Monsanto try to do something, and then the court's like, eh, it doesn't go that far. Like, it's rare, but it happens. And it all depends on... It all depends on the court. And <laughs> But, I mean, it, it still depends on the court. Hmm. For now. Okay. Do, we, do any of y'all have closing remarks? Chuck? Sure. <laughs> Piracy is bad, kids. <laughs> you want to download a house. You want to download, <laughs> download a pizza. Typical. 
Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I saw those <laughs> typically um, for learning purposes, though. You know, I mean, I, I think that just about anything that exists should be able to be uh, looked at. Um, I really like what uh, Tesla has done with all of the technology. You know, that everything they have is available. Everything they've developed is available for other people. Um, they they got a corner on the market because they started it. You know, um, after GM basically killed the electric car, they they, they came into being. Um, and then, but they make all of their patents available because they know that them, they alone cannot make the difference that needs to be made on our, um, on our fossil fuel economy um, in order for us to survive as a species. As, as a whole, I think this is an interesting concept and I'd like to revisit it later, um, maybe in a different forum, but um, yeah, I really enjoyed this talk. I still think that counting piracy as lost wages is just stupid as all hell. <laughs> and, but I mean, the, the, they're still going to keep on counting it that way, even as people pirate and then buy it immediately and then delete their pirated copy. True. Um, I want to close with encouraging people to pirate whatever they can. Um, <laughs> Because that's my stance in this whole thing as it's become apparent. And um, I'm going to close with a poetry picting, something that I think technically is stealing um, <laughs> other artists' work. And I've been doing it for a while, and it's really fun. This is from a book called The Dark Forced. It's a... Uh, Chinese science fiction this is the second book in a series it's really good I don't know how to pronounce the author's name it's C-I-X-I-N L-I-U um, sorry I know nothing of Chinese pronunciation and here goes the dark forest the night dark sky a crowd kneeling flat flung star the bodies we need first suspended in deep space when he woke he realized there was a surprise smooth mirror his spirit found a place to live commander commander the authority europa overhead the supervision was finally understood voluntarily and clapping him on the shoulder water stains on the floor it appeared in black text containing the position that the star we wish to point out is a star's position to the farthest reaches of the universe a phone call to kent waiting for doomsday then the hard times began we diffuse in the general let me explain it takes three let me light the fire he said one before i kneel send them to their death I turned to her face for the first time, looking up. Can you smell the aircraft? A partially examined Aristotle, a third wall breaker, the identity granted. His voice, the right hand, the principle we observed practically dried up. The defeatist sentiment is so heavy, a space force, frank, shipboard life, still life, abandonment for a reason, although it did not give much heat, the most remote corner of all would virtually come back to life. Thank you. We're across the aisle. I'm Adam. I'm Zach. And I'm Kason. And guest starring Chuck Turshin. <laughs>